Today we're going to continue with the sermon series. We're actually following the Advent calendar. Um, so last week, the first Advent of Sunday uh, for Christmas is on hope. So Pastor Mihi preached on hope. Uh, today will be on peace and we're just following this series as we um, look towards Christmas. Today our passage um, is taken from chapter 9 of Isaiah, verse 1 to verse 7. Allow me to read the scripture to you. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. We have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of the median defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. And verse 6, this famous verse, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Come, let's pray. Almighty and gracious God, Father, we just want to thank you for your word to us this morning. As we turn to you, as we fix our eyes on you, please help us to lay aside our worries, thoughts, and distraction. So Father, we ask the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit come and speak to us in such a clear, real, and tangible manner. I mean, the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here be pleasing unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Allow me to give you some more context of chapter 9. Right, to understand chapter 9, we need to jump to chapter 6 first. In chapter 6, verse 1, let me read to you. In the, in the year that King Uzziah died, I, I as in Isaiah, saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So Isaiah heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. Right, so here I am, send me, not here I am, send the pastor. Here I am, send the cell leader. You know, here I am, send me, because that's what Isaiah said. And because he said that, he was sent to King Ahaz in chapter 7, who was the grandson of King Uzziah. Uzziah. For more context, right, to understand this a little bit deeper, right, at that point of time, the king of Syria and the king of Israel came up to Jerusalem, came up to King Ahaz, and basically want to wage war with King Ahaz. When King Ahaz found out about this, you know, his generals tell him and the scouts reported to him, this is what was reported in the Bible. The heart of the people, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Right? Basically, they're terrified. They're worried. You know, war is looming. And if that is not bad enough, 
Right? Chapter 8 even tells another terrible news, which is the coming of the Assyrian invasion. Right? Assyrian, a bigger superpower of the, of the world back then. More powerful, bigger armies. Verse 7 in chapter 8 says, Therefore, behold, the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many, the king of Assyria and all his glory. Wow, you see, double whammy, right? Attack, immediate neighbors attack you. The bigger power, Assyria, come, is also coming of warning of an immediate threat. Right, but the, despite all this bad news, King Ahaz and all, all the bad news, there is hope, like what Pastor Mihi preached and shared last week. Well, she mentioned the hope of a future glory, the hope of sharing in the glory of God, and the hope of receiving the prize. Right? Even despite all this bad news, we need to have hope. If not, our life is, will be terrible. So, in Isaiah, this prize we can hope for is really our Lord Jesus. The verse that I read to you just now. For unto us a child is born, to us a child is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Isn't that comforting? That hope that he is that wonderful counselor to us. He's that mighty God, no. Mighty God, even more powerful than the armies. Everlasting Father to us. We are his beloved children. And of course, he is our Prince of Peace. Our passage here in this um, verse 2 to verse 7 really starts with a general expression of joy. Hope must come with joy, right? If not, hope for what? Very sad, right? You hope for something and then it's not joyful. There must be joy. And the first thing we talk about is joy of good harvest. What does it mean? That means that there isn't a bad harvest. Ah. You know, we must have a good harvest. What does, essentially what it means is that all the labor they have, they have done throughout the past year, all the effort they do to till the land, plant the seeds, put fertilizer, it has come and became a good harvest. All the work hasn't been negated. And moving forward, in the next year ahead, they will have a harvest for um, to sell, to eat. They have economic benefits. That's what basically they're saying. It's joy. Basically, in today's terms, job security. Yeah. Next year, your job is secured. You have profits coming in. Secondly, joy is that the battle against the enemy has been won. Right? There's no more threat coming. There's no more that lurking enemy behind waiting to prowl on them, waiting to steal their crops, waiting to kill their children. Without that threat, of course, there is joy, right? Of course, there is joy. And maybe for us today, we are waiting for this change um, or we are looking forward to this change where COVID is finally over. We are so tired of wearing masks, checking in, you know, counting the number of friends we can gather and meet together or even visiting our relatives or friends or people in need. Then we've got to count, we've got to take ART tests, we've got to do so many measures. I'm sure you and I, especially me, are tired of it. You know, the church regulation changed. You know, by the time you implement something, change. You know, we're all tired. We're looking forward to this change, this hope that COVID will be over. And maybe perhaps we could even travel once again right, and visit friends and families and gather together. So this passage continues to talk about a new beginning, right? Joy, hope, and a new beginning that has really put aside and put away all this horrendous past of oppression, exploitation, and humiliation. Because why? Because it's a new king. A new son is born. It's a new king that will come to the people's rescue, come to our rescue, where there is hope for us, for the people, and ultimately he will bring peace, which is the topic and theme for us today. 
Because one of the key passage or key theme of what this king is and who he is is that he is the prince of peace. What amazing, right? What does that even mean? Prince of peace, which is in verse 7, right? He's the prince of peace. And of this increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. So as we focus on today's theme, the word peace, I'm sure many of us, you and me, are familiar with this word, shalom. If you've heard it before, I see some nods, right? Shalom. And usually when somebody say, peace be with you. And then you reply, and also with you. So if you don't know, I come from an Anglican school. My primary school and secondary school is St. Andrews. During assembly time and before the school holidays, the end of term, right? The fourth term or the second term where there's school holidays, there'll be a mini service at the end before the school closes. And the chaplain or the principal, before they dismiss us, after the dismissal song, they will say, peace be with you. And only at that time where it's before the school holiday starts, we will reply very loudly, and also with you. Morning, Marigita, in the other few days, peace also be with you. you know, nobody bother, actually. <laughs> very, very soft. Because maybe no peace. Huh? After that, first, first period is uh, test. First period, Chinese lesson. Alamak, where got peace? <laughs> you know? But if, if, when school starts, uh, holiday starts, you know, we will shout very loud, peace be with you. You know? So things like that. Okay, back to our Isaiah context, right? So when we talk about peace, King Ahaz was really under threat, as I mentioned just now. War was looming, enemies was knocking at his door. And to him, maybe just peace was just an absence of all this conflict. Like, oh, go away. I just want a quiet lifestyle, enjoy my riches, drink my wine, uh, sleep uh, on my bed, you know. But for us, true, the true meaning of peace is more than just the absence of conflict or war in King Ahaz' time. So if you look at the Hebrew word shalom, which I mentioned just now, actually it means complete. It means whole, to be whole, not just to be peaceful. But let's look at Joshua 8, 30-31. It reads, At that time Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, on Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the people of Israel. As it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stone. Uncut stone, huh? Upon which no man has wielded an iron tool, and they offer on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrifice peace offerings. Now here, let me highlight the word uncut. Actually, is shalom. I think you're wondering, shalom supposed to be peace, end up become uncut. How come the English translation translated to uncut? Because here, when the word shalom is being used, it means wholeness, complete. So when we talk about it, talking about uncut also means wholeness, right? Uncomplete. There's no missing parts to it. Another reference to the word shalom is actually found in Job 5.24. You shall know that your tent is at peace, and you shall inspect your fold and miss nothing. Right? Again, here when you talk about a tent, right, is keeping all the sheep, goats, and nothing is missing. So it means complete. It means talking about wholeness. Well, the idea here is talking about as life in life, right, is complex. A lot of relationships that we have may be uncertain. A lot of situations that we live in, you know, a big, a big question mark. We don't know what's happening. We don't know what to do. When any of these situations that we are in are out of alignment, is missing something. Basically, our shalom, our peace breaks down. We don't have peace in our life. Right? Especially now in COVID, I'm sure it disrupts many of our plans. Many of our relationships, we don't meet people at all. Our work 
place is getting more and more difficult to manage. Our shalom has broken down. We don't have that peace. And we are looking for that peace to be restored, to be whole again. So when I say to you and we say to one another, peace be with you, essentially we are saying, hey, I wish that your life is complete. I wish that you have peace in your life. There be wholeness. Nothing is missing in your life right now. And the Bible project uses this example in King Solomon, bringing shalom to the temple as he completes um, building it, the Old Testament. Or actually, if an animal accidentally damages your neighbor's property, right, in the old, olden, old Testament times, you have to shalom them. You have to compensate them and repay them for their loss so that you, they will be completed, right? So you actually damage a neighbor's property or actually kill their goats or, or things like that, you repay them so that they will be complete. In the New Testament, the arrival of Jesus' birth, right, is announced as the arrival of the Arene, which is the Greek word for peace, Arene. And there are three lessons and reminders for us today. What does this peace, what does peace mean in our life? Well, the first is Jesus came to make peace between God and us. I mean, we, all, we, we should know that, but we need to be reminded that it's because of Jesus' death, as we look towards Christmas, His arrival, it's because of His death and resurrection, He made peace between us and God. Again, in Ephesians, the idea is that He restored this broken relationship between God and us to wholeness. To wholeness. And He came to preach peace to you and I, whether we are far from Him, whether we are near Him, Jesus came to preach peace to us. Give you an example of this guy by the name of Sia Choi Moi, who is aged 60 years old. Well, he used to be a hardened criminal involved with gangs, gambling, and drugs. He spent 31 years or half of his life behind bars. And so he ran a gambling den at age 14 years old, right? Very entrepreneur. You know, in and out of detention center and jail. But in jail, one day he was invited to chapel on Sunday and the Lord touched him with this amazing song, Kang Wai Chiu. Apologize if I pronounce wrongly, I'm not Hokkien. But it really means hold my hand in, in English, Kang Wai Chiu. So he asked for the Bible, you know, after being touched by this song when he hear it, right? And then his eyes, he read Jeremiah 31, verse 3 to verse 4. Let me read to you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I will build you up again, and you, virgin Israel, will be rebuilt. So he began meditating, right? What does this word even mean? So he's been thinking about it for the next few weeks, especially when he could not sleep. Surprisingly and amazingly, these verses gave him a newfound peace and confidence. So he, what he did, change his name. Uh, learn from the Bible. Uh, on a new beginning, change his name. And amazing, he changed to the passage that we are talking about today, which is Isaiah. Changed the name Isaiah. And his behavior changed for a better. It was such a drastic change that another gang member actually approached him. He said, hey, I've been observing you for the past few years and seen that you have changed. How is it that your God is so powerful? Well, Isaiah replied, it's definitely not easy to turn good. Right? I'm sure we, you and I know that. It's not easy to turn good. But I depend on God every day. So he challenged the other gang member and said, why don't you go to the chapel and taste the holiness of God? One word from God and your life will never be the same. 
One word from God and your life will never be the same. You can read his whole story uh, in Salt and Light website. Just Google his name, Sia Moi, Sia Chong Moi. And you can see how fantastic his story has been. I'm only able to take like 10% out of his whole story. If I will tell you the whole story, you'll be here until uh, dinner time. Or you can join the 5 p.m. service. So friends, really, really, the, the encouragement of this guy or this story that I just shared is why one word from God is enough to turn our lives around. If you think your life is difficult or in a mess right now, what about this guy? Been in jail, you know? 14 years old, entrepreneur. One word from God and our lives will be turned around. My second point really is to look at Jesus as our example because He created peace for us so that we can create peace for one another or to one another. Now let's learn from Apostle Paul in seeking peace right, within the church. Paul in his opening words in the book of Corinthians Galatians and Ephesians says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now Jesus himself in this famous verse in John 14, 27 said this, peace I, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I'm sure we have heard this verse if you attend many Christian funerals. This famous passage has been preached many times. Because during that time of need, Jesus came to give peace to us. But this peace, this true peace that we are talking about, has to do with actually our lives. Because in our lives, we live very broken lives, if we are honest with ourselves. We need that peace to restore it to wholeness. Unfortunately, we live in this broken, sinful world with imperfect people. You and me, we are imperfect. We are broken in one way or another. Maybe not you, but definitely I have said unkind words to my loved ones, my family, to my wife. We have put people down, maybe at work, um, so that we will not be blamed or seen negatively. Or maybe we have hurt or neglected other people's emotions and feelings. Whether ignorant or guilty, I believe we must be honest with ourselves to check our actions and words. Now here the Bible calls us, encourages us, and at times even instructs us to create peace with one another. But really to do so, we need Jesus. Because being sinful, we are powerless, we are helpless. And if we are honest with ourselves, or rather I am honest, if I ask myself honestly, inherently, I can't do it on my own. Even as much as I try to do it, I can't do it because I am sinful in that sense. What I want to do is I want to be selfish. I want to put myself first before others. Therefore, we need Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, to mediate and to bring peace into our relationship. Let me give you this analogy and this picture. You know, some people are pictorial, like me, I like pictures. This beautiful Japanese bowl, where all the broken pieces are meant together with this art, Japanese art, called Golden Repair, where it's formed back together to form this beautiful bowl, where it can be reused again, repurposed. Our brokenness, when we turn to Jesus, when we allow Jesus into our life, can be turned into something beautiful. That's the beauty of having Jesus in our life. That's the beauty of allowing Him into our life because He will take what is broken and turn it into a masterpiece because we are His creation. Isn't that wonderful? 
This famous, uh, this person by the name of Kimberly Jones once said, don't let people pull you into your storm. Pull them into your peace. Once we have that peace through Jesus in our life, instead of going into the storm, people's storm, we pull them into our peace because we have Jesus. That's the beauty of having Jesus in our life. Let me move on to my third point, which is Jesus wants you and me actually to make peace with ourselves. Right? We make peace with God, make peace with others. But the, sometimes the hardest is, is make peace with ourselves. Or rather, I find it the hardest to make peace with myself too. This is especially so when we make mistakes, right? When we fail, we beat ourselves up over it. And we, we're like, why you make some mistakes? You shouldn't be making this. You should know much, you should know better. You know, you've done it before so many times. Why you still make such mistakes? Then we become hard on ourselves. Really, we are unable to forgive what we have done. Sometimes we feel bad about feeling bad. We feel guilty for feeling guilty. We get angry for getting angry. We get anxious about feeling anxious. And we ask ourselves, what is wrong with me? I ask myself, what is wrong with me? There must be something wrong with me. So we struggle or I struggle to make peace with ourselves because essentially we are the problem. We cannot solve it. The harder we try to solve it with our own strength, the more mistakes and failures we, we end up with, and the more we become in conflict with ourselves. Here, as we beat ourselves over it, let me remind you of this wonderful promise found in Philippians 4. Another famous verse, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This verse clearly has given us some handles and tell us, instruct us what to do if you want the peace of God to be with you. Think about such things. Put it into practice. So being in line with this passage, really we need to first and foremost present all requests to God. Not just some, not just those that, you know, Lord, I, this one I can do. Uh, I settle myself. The very difficult one, I leave it to you. You handle the difficult one. I take the easy one. I really don't think this is how the Bible works. Right? The Bible says, presents all your requests to God. And I'm, I believe it's everything in our life, all of our life. Second, from Paul, Paul teaches us to focus our attention and think about these wonderful and excellent things that I've just mentioned just now. Another example, I'll give you another illustration, is instead of worrying and fretting about things maybe in our own room, in our own minds, why not take a walk in the park, right? Why not look at beautiful God's beautiful creation? Turn our attention to what God has bless us with what God has given to us, then that's when the Prince of Peace can come into our life. If you look at your palms, you know, your palms, and you're always closing it, if, you, if the palms are always closed, you're clenching your fist. How can God give you peace if you're holding on so tightly to your own problems? Only when we let go, surrender it to God, say, God, you are in charge of my situation right now. With open palms, open hearts, Will we be able 
to allow God to fill our hands, fill our hearts with this peace that He has. Let me end with this story. There was once a king um, who wanted to offer a prize, right? Having a drawing competition to all his subjects. And he told all the artists who can paint the best picture of peace. Uh, many artists tried. And the king finally looked at all the pictures and narrowed it down, shortlist to two pictures that he really liked. The first picture was a calm lake. Right? The lake was a perfect mirror of peaceful mountains all around it. Overhead was like a blue sky with white clouds, fluffy white clouds. And all who saw this picture thought that it was a perfect picture of peace right? in this photo right here. But the second picture also had mountains, right? But it was rugged and bare. The sky was angry and the rain fell on the lake and there were lightning too. Well, definitely this picture did not look peaceful at all. But when the king looked closely, he saw behind the waterfall a tiny bush growing in a crack in the rock. And in that bush, there was a mother bird who had built her nest there. In the midst of all the angry scene, in the midst of all the rushing water, sat the mother bird on her nest in perfect peace. Now, which picture do you think won the prize? The first or the second? Well, clearly the second, the, the king chose the second picture. Because the king explained, peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, trouble or hard work. Peace means to be in the midst of all those things and still be calm in your heart. Although this is not a Christian story, but we know as Christians when we have the Prince of Peace in our lives, we can be in those messy situations, difficult situations, tricky situations. When you have no answers in that situation, God has the answers. God is the Prince of Peace. Maybe for you it's an unreasonable boss who have removed you from your workplace, you know, be mean and nasty to you. Or your children who are disobedient, who don't have a, who are not scoring well in their grades in school. Maybe you're looking to, to marry someone, but it's not well appreciated. Or maybe for most of us, it's a sickness or illness that we are battling. It's worrying. There's that tumor in our body causing us to be in a lot of distress. And I ask that you allow God, allow Jesus as the Prince of Peace in, into that situation. Surrender it like an open palm. Allow him to take control of it. And as you do so, as you allow Jesus into our lives, into your life, you have peace with God. You have peace with God knowing that He is your everlasting Father, wonderful Counselor, mighty God. And when you allow Jesus in your life, you have peace with one another because you are able, you know and you know for sure that you have Jesus in your life. You can make peace with people. Not best friends, huh? peace with one another and lastly you can have peace with yourself because God has come into your life not to remove them though he can and he, if he wills he can remove these things but because when we have him we can go through these storms in life let us pray and let us fix our eyes on our Lord just ask you to name the situation in your life and will you allow Jesus to come in and say, Lord Jesus, please come into this situation. Lord Jesus, I give you full control of this situation. I surrender them. I say, you are the 
Prince of Peace in my life. You make it complete. You make it whole. You are my Shalom. Father, as we allow and allow the Holy Spirit to just sing in our lives right now, Father, as we surrender them to you, Lord, you take it and you are the Lord and Master of the situation. So help us to make peace with you, make peace with one another, and make peace with ourselves. We commit all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.